0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 81 of DM Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host Ryan Reader and with me as always is my good buddy Ben Belmacher.
1: How are you doing this evening, Ben? I have had... An interesting week it has been. Really? Yeah, it's been like up and Me down. Too. It's been tumultuous. It's been like uh, you know, uh, just out in the open sea when all of a sudden waves crash and knock you off the boat, and then you, you kind of get back on, and then another one knocks you off, and then all of a sudden, uh, oh, you're on land, but there's still a tsunami coming. So what is going on? I mean, it's 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 been interesting. Yeah, and there's a giant
0: monster on the land. Yes. Well,
1: <laughs> Yeah, a wizard, some to, might say.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, it's been it's been a week. It's been a week in d d slash honestly, TTRPG land uh, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. <laughs> both, both Ben and myself have been kind of dreading this episode because we know we have to talk about it a little bit, and we actually have a fun topic to
1: talk about after yes Uh, we we like fun here that's one of the reasons why we started doing the show in the first place we do and and and, i mean in
0: in light of all these things one of the reasons i love this podcast is even though it's called dn discussions this is basically a tabletop rpg podcast yes like 75 percent of the stuff we talk about could really be applied anywhere or for whatever games you're playing um which is, which is really nice because I used to do a podcast where we talked about uh, like uh, a video game, like a, an, a MOBA video game. And all those podcasts would be obsolete a week or two <laughs> after after they released. But uh, it's, it was fun because I was talking to someone about this the other day. You could actually go back and listen to the backlog of this, and
1: most of it would still be
0: completely relevant. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean the only it's a, things it's a that new thing for the, me. The only things would be like, oh, this book is going to be releasing in the future. Oh, guess what? It's already out. If you're listening to an old episode, it's kind of about it. But uh, yeah, yeah, every other thing that we talk yeah. about, uh, looking at it from a player perspective, a DM perspective, uh, even our monster fixers, like things like that, it 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 it's good anytime. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like being able to do that. Um,
0: but anyways, so. Uh, there are big things happening in uh, tabletop RPG land this week. Specifically, uh, it started with D and D stuff, and so here's here's the the big, big old caveat before we start any of this. Yes, it, it it's an important caveat. <laughs> this whole situation um, it's it's all started basically with the OGL and wizards wanting to change it. Uh, and change the terms. OGL stands for Open Gaming License. It's been around for, I think, like 20 some years or so. Um, uh, it was around in third edition. Uh, fourth edition kind of uh, took no- a step away from it and yeah. suffered. Nothing uh, was published under because it. of it. Yeah. And then fifth edition kind of it, it revived things and and opened the door for tons of content, third party stuff, all that sort of thing. So anyways, this whole situation started uh, and revolves around this OGL. Um, So the caveat is we are not lawyers. Mm -hmm. We are two guys that love tabletop RPGs. And we love D&D, honestly, in particular. And so I am going to try and give a nice little (laughs) summary of things so that we can talk about it a little bit. Um, and potentially some of the ramifications. But we will have several links in the show notes on dndiscussions.com. Several of the io9, the Gizmodo links that uh, were the original stories broke and were updated. Um, And then some uh, blog posts that has actual lawyers talking about it. And then Legal Eagle, who's a very popular uh, YouTube lawyer, also did a nice like 20 some minute video Mm -hmm. on it as well so we will have links to all that if you want to dive in and dig into the the nitty gritty stuff we're not going to do that here because our opinions don't matter from any sort of legality perspective and we'd probably get some things wrong so i'm going to try
1: and just give a nice little little overview. and on top of that too one big thing is uh this is the most up to date information as when we're recording, which we're recording on the fifteenth of January. The this episode will be released tomorrow morning, so in theory, nothing should change by the time you're listening to this. Yeah,
0: and it's we we made <laughs> we we normally record Wednesday nights, and and then it releases the, the next Monday. And as all this stuff was going on, yeah, starting Monday, ben, and I was yeah, I, I was like. Ben, we we can't record on Wednesday. Like there, it would be, it'd be completely out of date probably. Yeah. And Half boy, would it have been.
1: <laughs> and the I agreed right away too. We like we went back and forth. Like you know, this isn't a good idea. Like th- this is ongoing, and and then like we had minute by minute <laughs> like releases of like, oh, there's something more coming. It's like they're not going to release it by by Wednesday night. Let's let's just push. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> All
0: right. So essentially, um, the whole, the whole big thing was wizards, uh, sent out a copy of something they called the OGL 1.1. They sent it out to several prominent third parties along with contracts. Very few people knew about this, uh, until it was leaked to, um, io9 Gizmodo, uh, I'm gonna probably get the last name wrong. Their last name wrong. Linda Kodega. Uh, they were the ones to break this story, and so, anyways, the text of this 1.1 got leaked to them, and they wrote an article about it. And in the article, they discussed what was going to change. Basically, uh, there was going to be royalties added to uh, revenue above $750,000. And that's an important piece, uh, not profit revenue. Uh, and tabletop RPG profit margins are usually fairly tight from what I understand. So that, that was a fairly big deal. Um, they also wanted basically all third party content creators to register with them and get a special badge to use on their stuff for tracking. Um, you also had to do some additional tracking after like $50,000 in revenue. Uh, another one of the big things was in the text, at least they had language that would have deauthorized use of the old one OGL, which would essentially mean that you could not publish any new content under that old license agreement. All new content would have had to have been published under this new agreement. And then one of the biggest things that basically they could co-opt any content you released underneath the OGL and sub license it out or use it for themselves. If yeah. they
1: wanted to. And one big thing to kind of, you know, just uh, as a quick observation and thing to remember, too, is that uh, the 1.0 OGL was a page. This like 1.1 or 1.2 version, whatever it is, was like 20 pages filled with like a whole bunch of legalese and everything as well. So it, it was got massive. Yeah. Huge, huge difference. Uh, from the intent of the original one and the wording of it being, you know, very open, very liberal with, with, you know, how it was written in its intentions versus we're just closing this up as much as we can and taking our, our stake out of it as well. Yeah.
0: It, in the initial analysis, uh, most people determined that this was very much about not even as much the money because, even the money wouldn't have been any sort of staggering sum, at least to an entity like Wizards, who is that big. That would have hurt probably a lot of third parties that hit that threshold, but for them, that's chump change. The biggest thing seemed to be about control, mm-hmm. reigning in control of DD and and pulling it almost completely back to themselves. Um, so basically... This leaked. Linda broke this story and the entire community really rallied around it. And I and I need to just make a point here, too. This is not something that came from any of the people that you would probably know about who are on the d and team. Yes. None of the designers, artists, like any of those people. This is like... High level Wizards executives, high level Hasbro executives type decision making coming down. Mm -hmm. In fact, it came out later that many of the rank and file Wizard people warned against this and this kind of reaction because the OGL has built up an incredible amount of goodwill uh, between Wizards in the community over the past 10 years, especially for 5e. And uh, it has allowed for full time jobs for probably hundreds, if not thousands, mm-hmm. of people. It has allowed third party publishers to flourish and it
1: has allowed the community to grow immensely. Exactly. And see, that's one of the big things where, um, you know, as someone who doesn't purchase and buy a lot of third party content just because. Well, I'm on a very limited budget as it is, so being able to you know get a whole bunch of that stuff is uh, it's a little bit challenging for me at times. But the thing is, is even though I don't you know purchase a lot of that content, this still hurts me as a DM as a player because the way that Dungeons and Dragons is, and the the big influence and the popularity that it has, is in no way a small part uh, from all these third party you know suppliers of adventures of stats you know monsters magic items everything like that by by building in and and just helping raise up the experience and the the plethora of just content it it makes dungeons and dragons so much more popular than it could be because there are people out there who are you know able to play a ton of time and they go through all the, you know, the, the official adventures and stuff and they're looking for something more. So they're still engaged with the game by going to these third parties. If they don't have those, uh, you know, open and available to them, then, you know, th- the drop off kind of starts happening. But on top of that, too, with less interest means that there's less content actually being produced, you know, officially if Wizards doesn't think that they're going to be able to, you know, sell a good chunk of, a, you know, a new adventure or a new source book or something like that, you know, instead of having the the what the four books a year that we're at right now, they might drop that to three. Oh, if they're not selling too well, let's go ahead and drop that to two. You know, it 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 damages, you know, anything that I would want to do by making things less popular by becoming a company that just doesn't care as much about the content and the supports of, you know, third parties and creators and just the players themselves. Yeah. And so that the original article dropped on January
0: 5th. So as of now, it has been roughly 10 days since that dropped after the article dropped. There was a huge community outcry, Mm -hmm. like massive, Um, like within hours within hours trending under the hashtag open dd. And a lot of people were were just massively blindsided. Like this was this was a huge deal. It is just such a 180 from what the original OGL was. And so there was there's was a huge campaign basically. Uh and it was and one of the dates um for when the OGL was going to drop, uh, was just, I think two or three days after the article was published mm-hmm. that came and went, it didn't happen. And Wizards said nothing. And they continued to say nothing as the groundswell basically started reaching a fevered pitch. And it was at that point, a lot of things started to happen. A lot of creators started to um, started cancel projects. A lot of third-party companies began to speak up, and we'll, we'll speak to that here uh, in just a little bit. Um, and so as the silence drug on without any sort of acknowledgement of what happened, people started to have to make plans they started to have to figure out what am I going to do if this happens this way, because this is my livelihood.
1: Yeah. We have whole companies. Yeah. Whole based companies. Around this.
0: Yeah. It, it, it's, it's huge. So early, early in the week, not even from their official account, from D, the D D beyond account, uh, wizards tweeted that, uh, there would be more news soon. That was it. Just a statement of, Thanks for your patience. There's going to be more news soon. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that was like on on Tuesday, I believe. And it wasn't
1: until Friday. Well, before that, wasn't there even another leak of another newer version that was going to be less restrictive, but still with the royalties and everything? the,
0: The leak came after... The leak came after they announced that they were going to say something, but before they had actually announced it. Okay. Because I believe the original no- announcement was going to be either Wednesday or Thursday of of this week. So that would have right. been, been like, it was supposed to be the 11th or 12th, but another leak happened. And they're like the revised fac for this <laughs> net thing that yes. they were now calling the OGL 2.0 or whatever came out. Instead and of the 1.1. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, it wasn't that much better. There was most most of it remained intact. It did not seem like they were going to be backing down much at all. And so on Thursday. Uh, after after that leak happened and there was another huge outcry of, oh, my gosh, are you serious? Um, an internal Wizards of the Coast leak came through from D&D Beyond that basically said D&D Beyond is the only thing they care about right now, like the sub numbers, the subscription, Mm -hmm. the money, because that's the only like thing they can see that is immediate. And so from that, there was a huge (laughs) there was a huge uh, push from several very prominent content creators using the hashtag uh, stop the sub <laughs> and d be gone and many many people myself included actually canceled our dD beyond subscriptions and apparently it made uh, it it apparently made a mark yeah It got uh, their attention the, the rumors was there was in the five digits of tickets for dD beyond. Um, potentially tens of thousands of people canceling their D&D Beyond subscriptions, which is a pretty huge deal. It's a pretty huge statement. And so from that, released now uh, on the 13th, so released on Friday, they finally put out an update on the open game license uh, on D&D Beyond. And I'm not going to go through all the finer details, but it was, I don't know how I can put this in a nice, nice way. It was, it was,
1: it was a condescending. We you win.
0: Yeah, it was, it was filled with massive amounts of gaslighting and BS just to, to put it, to put it lightly. Basically, Kind of some, some pandering as someone on Twitter had mentioned that I saw go through, it seemed like a message to shareholders and not to like community members, but essentially, um, they, they basically came out waving a white flag a little bit. They're like, Hey, it's apparently no longer possible. We're going to be able to achieve all the goals we wanted to achieve. Uh, So they want to make some changes uh, in the realm of how uh, how you can use it because the original leak had basically limited the content you could create to like PDFs and books. Like there was a huge question mark about what happens with the virtual tabletops, what happens to streams, what happens to actual plays um, and all those sort of things. What happens if the content I make is behind a Patreon? Or, or that sort of thing. Um, so they said they're going to change that. They said they were going to scrap the royalty structure. Um, they hinted that they were going to potentially remove the language that made it to where they could license your content that you made <laughs> under the the new OGL to, mm-hmm. to anybody, basically. Um. <laughs> they, they said the thought never crossed their minds, which is obvious. Obviously, I'm sure the thought crossed their minds many times. Um And so it wasn't a super long statement.
1: Yeah. And in, in, in included in that, they had things saying that how uh, it was always their intention to work with creators, how, you know, it, it was... You know, always going to be you know for the betterment of the the license and and of everything oh, like that, and which that to me was the biggest rub because from the leaks,
0: third parties were sent not only the new OGL but actual contracts to sign, mm-hmm. and this this came out a day or two later, or later in the day, uh, so called sweetheart deals where hey, if you sign this early, we'll give you some special 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 treatment. stuff. Mm-hmm. There was never any intention to actually show this to the community before it went live. So that 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 whole line just really got me because they, they never intended to show it off. This was just going something that was going to drop. A bunch of people would have already had negotiated and signed contracts for it and everything. And so playing it off as they always wanted to make this a collaborative community thing rang super hollow and then especially the and this is a direct line they said second you're going to say hear people say that they won and we lost because making your voices heard forced us to change our plans those people would be only half right they won and so did we (laughs)
1: it's (laughs) just like like, like, oh Oh, lord i was just like oh my gosh guys yeah. And, and the thing is, is based on the fact that a lot of this is coming from like higher ups, not, you know, any of the creators, anything like that. It it really, it like, I hate to go with the whole like, well, it's the fat cats at the top who are running all this and making all the decisions, but it, it kind of is. And they don't understand their, their, you know, audience at all. Or understand like, you know, the nuance that we can look at things and understand them. I mean, you know, uh, you said it to me. I've seen it said somewhere else. It's like, yeah, this is a whole bunch of uh, uh, geeky people who spend, you know, hours sorting through or looking through like a 225 page book just to find a, a different definition of one rule or something. It's like, yeah, we, we can kind of see through some of this stuff.
0: The people that play d and a lot of these people are professionals. Like a lot of these people are are very smart, very very educated a lot of these people have probably law degrees like you're not gonna pull one over on most of these people with fancy words and gaslighting in a lot of ways yeah and so it was it was a extremely it was an extremely poor statement and i wish i wish it had been different because that was their that was their chance to really show the community and tell the community that they screwed up big time. And they were ready to make amends. And it did not really come across that way. And so now. Everyone. With that huge campaign going on. Everyone's now kind of sitting back and going. Okay. What is what is the contractual language of this thing. Actually going to look like. Mm-hmm. And is, is that a thing? And then uh, yesterday. Linda dropped another story. Uh, on how and from internal sources how the dnd beyond subscription cancellations actually forced hasbro's hand um multiple sources told gizmodo uh the situation inside inside the castle was dire <laughs> uh and hasbro's concern is less about public image and more about the ip horde the dragon sits on um but after the fan-led campaign to cancel D&D Beyond Subscriptions went vile, it sent, viral, it sent a message to the World Wizards and Hasbro higher-ups. Um, and according to multiple sources, these immediate financial consequences were the main thing that forced them to respond. The decision to further delay the rollout of the new OGL and the adjust and adjust the messaging around the rollout occurred because of a provable impact on their bottom line. Um And so that was that was a huge deal. Uh, And we've seen also a lot of the big third party players get involved. Yes. And push for open gaming and push uh, for for different things. Um, So so right now. uh, That's I mean, that's kind of where we're at, We're we're basically waiting for this OGL 2.0 to drop. We're waiting to see if it still is a massive document full of legalese or if it just hits the very few marks it needs to to help them protect their IP a little bit more, but not try to deauthorize the old OGL, not be able to sub license for free people's content that comes under it, not have these royalties, not have things that limit Uh, the content you can create to just like PDFs and eBooks and and print copies of things. Um, Basically we're all waiting with bated breath to find out if they will not destroy this vibrant community that they have built up over the last 10 years. And so it's, it's hard. It's a, it's a, it's a really, it's a really big deal. And I feel like, and I mean, I know Ben We're we were going to talk about this a little bit afterwards. Uh, I feel like they really shot themselves in the foot when they didn't need to. Yeah. One of the big things people are referencing is uh, Hasbro shareholders meeting where I believe it was the president uh, basically came out and said D&D is under monetized which is always a scary <laughs> a scary phrase probably true because D&D is more recognizable than say Magic the Gathering but Magic mm-hmm. the Gathering brings in more money so obviously they they're missing something and partly things like TV shows the movie spin-off books video games that's all part of that D and D is under monetized and that's not a bad thing necessarily in that context. However, in this context, the context of control, a lot of people have pointed out fourth edition and how this whole thing has already played itself out in a way before. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's
0: seems like they're trying to play that out again. And fourth edition was one of the low points for D anD D after a very successful third
1: edition, yeah. Considering you know Pathfinder came out during third edition, it's kind of a three point five edition. D anD D or Wizards just kind of did fourth edition not in the OGL to kind of keep some of that stuff on their own and not have you know those rivals. And that's
0: that's one of the main reasons Pathfinder developed as a competitor mm-hmm. was was because of that it was a it was a, a huge deal and any time just historically and what we're going to talk about in a second this type of thing happens it seems the opposite of what they want to happen happens and more competitors more competing uh, more competing products pop up yeah. not not the control and
1: the getting everyone to do it the way you want it to do It's kind of weird how a game that has to do with choices and repercussions uh, made a bad choice and created its own enemies. And it's and it's not
0: only that. It's it's very surprising to see because a lot of the people that work as game designers at Wizards right now come from third parties, come from OGL writing, come from Drive-thru RPG, DMs Guild. Like, if they the, the more they restrict these things, the more they're going to kill, basically in baseball terms, their farm system. It's like uh someone made the good analogy of it's like the major leagues killing off everything from AAA to T ball. <laughs> essentially, is you're you're destroying the, those paths, and if you look at a lot of these Wizards books, many of them are written either by freelancers or in conjunction with freelancers. Radiant Citadel, most of the writers on that book were freelancers. Mm-hmm. Candlekeep, most of the writers on that book were freelancers. Heck, apparently the rumor that the new, uh, the new heist book that's coming out, I think in February or something. Yeah. Tons of freelancers on that one. So – it's it, you're 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 biting the hand that is feeding you and is giving you talent to acquire for the first party stuff, which is is kind of wild to me. And not only that, and this is this is uh, this is something I think we talked about even back in August when they announced the new virtual tabletop and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the perfect opportunity for them to create a steam-like ecosystem. If they if they wanted their monetization, D&D Beyond was ripe to create essentially the steam of virtual tabletops. Not that you had to make it exclusive. Let people go where they want to go. But D&D Beyond, your your core strategy, your your core strength is User base, it's the official thing, it has a huge user base from DD Beyond. So, if you, with some amount of curation, Mm -hmm. accept third party content onto DD Beyond and into your virtual tabletop, not only do you now get your 30% cut or whatever, like the Apple, like the Google, like the Steam. Mm You not only get that, but now you are bolstering the amount of content that your first-party system has. And as long as you make it good, people will want to buy stuff there. Third parties can still sell their own stuff, but if the player wants it on the official thing, or that's the tool their tool of choice, or Roll Twenty, or you know, Boundary, or whatever as their tool of choice, then the developer can still can then get access to that huge user base. They still get their cut and then Wizards gets their cut for allowing you to use their big user base or and or their IP or whatever. It seemed like a no brainer. That seemed like it would be a slam dunk. And instead, it seems like they've gone in the complete opposite direction and closed that off as much as possible. Yeah.
1: Letting everybody join in gives you a bigger pie to have a piece of. But, you know, we've seen time and time again, anytime that a a company is like behoven to shareholders, they don't look at the nuance. They look at the the instant cash gratification.
0: Yeah. 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 This is that would have definitely been a long a long term play. And I think it, it could have worked out. Worked out very well, and I wanted to to quote Matt Colville here because I'm going to talk a little bit about third parties, kind of before we we wrap this conversation up. Uh, Matt Colville, uh, for those who don't know, runs MCDM, which is one of the largest current five E third party yeah publishers. Um, he said that when Wizards of the Coast bought D and D Beyond, he told his team the clock is ticking. From that point forward, I knew there was no future long-term as a third-party developer, because I did not believe wizards were forward-thinking enough to implement a steam style platform. Yeah. And that's exactly, exactly what we were just talking about. Exactly what we have talked about or alluded to before getting that third party content on D D beyond. And it seems at least as of right now that he is proving true. That is exactly what happened. Short, short, uh, long-term stability and community and relationship were were, and are being thrown away for what they thought was probably short-term gains. Exactly. Um, so throughout this week, there has been a multitude of third parties that have responded from uh, just singular creators who have said, I may not do D&D content anymore to large companies like Kobold Press. They were the actually the first one, the first really big one to make an announcement uh, about this whole deal. And this happened on January 10th. And they said uh, basically their goal is they want to continue creating content. But with this stuff going on, they don't know what they're going to be able to do. They're going to finish their current Kickstarter, their campaign builder, Cities and Towns. Uh, they've got Deep Magic Volume Two, which is coming up extremely soon. That's going to be a Kickstarter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so they're, but they're in a very wait and see holding pattern at this point. Uh, and then at the same time, they also announced a brand new project called Project Black Flag, and this will be Kobold Press making their own core fantasy tabletop rule set, available open and subscription free for those who love it. So right out of the gate, and this reminder, this is five days after the original leak. Yep. Of the OGL. Kobold Press was like, we're announcing our own fantasy game system called Project Black Flag. It's coming. So that's that's like Backlash
1: Blowout number one. Yeah, and, and that's a pretty big one right there. It's a huge one. It's a huge one. But wait, Um, there's more. And then four days ago,
0: uh, MCDM decided to come in and comment. And for those that follow MCDM closely, MCDM, at least for the last year has talked about their intent their want to make their own fantasy system. Uh, I believe I, I'm trying to remember the word is like uh, action packed and like cinematic uh, and and role play oriented. Uh, basically, if you've seen if you've used any of their stuff, it's a it's the Matt Colville. Uh, <laughs> it's the Matt Colville fantasy system. Yeah, they've they talked about they've been wanting to make that type of thing for a while. Um, due to. The recent stuff, the recent silence, the recent OGL stuff, I would not be surprised if MCDM was one of those companies who is under NDA uh, and got the OGL 1.1 early. Uh, they have they did not like it. <laughs> they did not want it. Uh, and so that they announced just a few days ago that they are going to be ceasing 5e content creation. Uh, they are going to run Arcadia which is their absolutely excellent uh, D&D 5e magazine up through, I believe, July. They are going to finish off Flea Mortals, which is their monster book. Uh, And then they have a class that has been in development for a little bit called the Talent, which is their own psionic uh, spin on a psionic class, as well as doing some revisions for the Illrigger. But they said once those are complete, that will be it. There will be no more... 5e content from mcdm and as of uh tomorrow monday from this this recording uh they are going to they were basically going to uh move the schedule up for their own fantasy rule system and they're starting work on it next week
1: which is awesome Um,
0: I am very excited. I've, I've been a huge fan of MCDM for a long time. All their content is top notch and all the monster book stuff I've seen from flea mortals and the packets they've released is super fun. Some of the best monster design I've ever seen. Uh, honestly, a lot better than a lot of the first party stuff, mm-hmm. to be completely honest. And so uh, it's one I'm going to have my eye on very closely. As they do it. But at the same time, just being someone who's played 5e for so long, this is a huge, huge hit. Like, that is a massive, like, high-quality content creator uh, company that is gone, going to be gone here in the next six months.
1: Yeah, and it's hard to believe that two massive companies like this just... You know they they basically said okay you're doing this here's the repercussions this is what we're doing we're creating our own we're moving forward and yep. it's I'm like I'm very happy for them and I wish them the best and I think that it's going to be awesome with everything coming out of it so yeah those two companies like that that's it that's that's the only fallback that we've had right Ryan
0: oh no there's one more really big thing wait what and we haven't we there are probably several more that are smaller. And the probably even some medium or large-scale ones we're not even going to cover. But Paizo, who does Pathfinder, Starfinder. Uh, also, <laughs> just recently, uh, and this crashed their website, by the way, for a decent bit of time. So this was released on Thursday, the 12th. Um, They announced a system-neutral open RPG license.
1: Yeah. The OpenRPG Creative License, or Orc, as they're calling it, which I think is an absolute great addition to this entire discussion. Um, you know, and if you're not familiar with Paizo, like we said, it's Pathfinder, which came from third edition. And it's Starfinder, which, you know, it's is a, you know, sci-fi kind of version of, of uh, a tabletop game and everything. And the fact that's you know, they are creating their own license and everything like that it just opens the door even more so for a lot of other people to go out and, you know, possibly jump ship, jump to this if they're not, you know, going to be creating their own sort of gameplay or game type. Um, but the, the fact that it's still a fantasy setting that uses a lot of the same, you know, um, you know, vocabulary and settings and, and, and things like that. Well, not, you know, specific world settings, but, you know, it's really interesting, the fact that, oh, well, if we're being completely limited by Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons and Dragons, hey, look, we've got this open sandbox. You can jump in. You can play. We're making it as easy as the OGL 1.0 was. Yeah. So
0: so essentially what this is, is it's an alternative to the OGL. It's not uh, a specific system. It's an open gaming license but an orc <laughs> instead <laughs> um, So essentially you will be a people who are making other systems like say Cobalt press uh, will be able to use this license to allow people then to create content for their game in an open uh, and collaborative way. So essentially uh, what they're saying behind this they want an OGL that can't be revoked. <laughs> And is perpetual uh, and, you know, not not editable without still being able to use like the older version or whatever. So they have a bunch of companies already signed on for this. Uh, they listed uh, Paizo, Cobalt Press, Chaosium, Green Ronin, Legendary Games, Rogue Genius Games, and a growing list of publishers have already agreed to participate in the open RPG creative license. Um And they are going to actually craft it with a law firm, and then they're going to make sure that they do not own it, but the law firm does. And then it will eventually be moved into a nonprofit uh, that is neutral, essentially, Mm -hmm. so that no one no one particular company can can claim ownership of this. So it's a big deal. It's a it's a really big deal. And not only that, they actually stated in their announcement that they don't believe that the OGL 1.0 was intended to be revocable uh, or deauthorized. And they said they would actually take Wizards to court and they would be the ones that would pay for that if it came down to trying to fight Wizards on if Wizards stood firm on the fact or, or trying to include language to revoke the original 1.0 OGL yeah. and make it so that you couldn't create content under that anymore. So Paizo said, we will, we don't think that's true. We don't think that was the original intent. We'll actually be the, we're big enough. We'll actually be the ones to take them. Forward.
1: Yeah. And everything that I've seen and read as we've been kind of researching this topic and over the past week, which, Again, not a lawyer, but everything that I've seen, um, the actual writers and creators of the original OGL, they didn't want it to ever be deauthorized. And, and the intention was not that it be revocable. So um, like them specifically saying that kind, kind of gives them a, a little bit of a backing on this. And yeah, that's, it,
0: it's a lot of ammo for
1: sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just want to make sure that that we do state that the original creators of this. Never wanted this to happen. Thanks, corporates. Ooh. So that's
0: that is pretty much up to <coughs> up to date information as we have it. We no one, as far as we are aware, has seen what this new OGL now they're calling it 2.0. Mm-hmm. What this OGL 2.0 will contain. Um they basically, in their big statement, they just said it is being worked on now. It is being reworked. There have been no leaks of it. No one has seen it as far as we know. So I don't know if it will happen next week or the week after.
1: Um, but we will give you the most up to date information that we have as it grows. Yeah. That uh, makes sense. Thanks for sticking with us for the last forty-five minutes about this. <laughs> oh, oh, oh lord, because we know it's Isn't kind it really of a dry forty-five time. minutes. Yeah, I'm looking at the timer <laughs> right now. Oh my gosh,
0: it uh, it was funny because it's we're. <laughs> I was like Ben, I'm going to try and summarize this. <laughs> That's,
1: That's the, the summarized best. version, guys. Yeah, we've That's been the summarized version. We we've been sending articles and reading stuff like. All week, back and forth about this, getting different takes. Everything's been updated and all that. So that's the best (laughs) summary that we have. And Ryan, you did an awesome job. Let's get out of this and let's move on to something more fun.
0: Yes. Uh, We made sure that we were going to have another topic because dang it, that. (laughs) That's it's it's honestly a real bummer in a lot of ways, although there's some really cool stuff like people making new systems and stuff like that. That's Mm -hmm. that's always exciting. Uh, You should always, if you have the time, play more tabletop RPGs. Yes, because a lot of times getting that breadth and scope of stuff can really help you
1: appreciate other things, give you ideas for other stuff you're running, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, now we're going to talk about something fun um, taxes and running an economy system in game as realistic as possible with corporations. That sounds terrible and we should not do that.
0: Hey, that's if- a good idea. How about we talk about unwinnable fights? <laughs> it, it, it still
1: kind of fits, though, right? It does kind of fit. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. But this fight is winnable. In, in a sense. In a sense, this fight. Yes. Was. Now, uh, un- Unwinnable Fights <laughs> is near and dear to our hearts because um, as players, we have been in them. As DMs, we have had to run them. And this is it, – it's a really tricky situation because – Touchy.
0: Yeah. Very touchy.
1: You don't want to completely take agency away from your players, which – if you do an unwinnable fight incorrectly can definitely happen. There can be a lot of hurt and sour feelings after it. But at the same time, if you're narratively looking for something that, that you're trying to work or beef up a, a, the, the danger of a BBEG or something along those lines, you need to have situations that happen that is actually out of the control of the players.
0: Yeah. And so let's, let's start off. Why would
1: you do this? Why would you
0: have an unwinnable fight? And there, there's, a, there's a few different reasons you could have something like this. One, you could have uh, kind of something the, the players be kind of on the outskirts of something where they're fighting minions. But there's also a much more powerful entity that is also on the same battlefield that is doing stuff, but not necessarily engaging with them. Mm mm-hmm. And they, while they technically could engage with it, the way you're running and telegraphing it shows that this is a guy that is far beyond your power level. So it's a good way to like show um, show power, essentially show that not every fight is made specifically for your level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is good. It's, it's good to mix that up. It's good to have some, some fights, uh, depending on the situation and where you are, but it's good to have some fights where your players can steamroll them. That's it's fun to have that sometimes not mm-hmm. too often, but it's fun yeah. to have that. Sometimes it's fun to have fights that are close and can be really good back and forth, but it also can be really good to have fights or scenarios that show your players. They're not all that. The world is not level seven or the whole world is not level seven. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There's a part of the world that's level 18 or or whatever. And so that that can be one really good scenario to where you can kind of show off power, but not necessarily in a way that the players could beat it, at least at the time.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, too, is that this gives you much more of an appreciation for leveling up and gaining that power on a player perspective, because if you go up against. uh, okay, so you're a random foot soldier in the fight against Sauron in the beginning of Lord of the Rings. Um, Little random dude runs up to him. You saw him swing that mace, taking out like a whole legion of troops at once. Not going to happen. But. Give it, you know, a good 10, 15 levels and you're able to actually withstand that and go up against them. You're going to be able to appreciate that and understand, hey, I've I've had my montages. I've leveled up. I'm working on this. And it gives you kind of an idea of your power level as well as the the enemy's power level. And, you know, having that sort of of consistency throughout the game really makes you appreciate all that work that you put into it getting there.
0: Yeah, Another another good situation is when you are doing secondary objectives, when the battle or the fight or taking down X, Y, Z is not your primary purpose. This can be something uh, it could be a a war, a battleground where there are far too many troops, even though you could take out a bunch of troops or whatever, there are just overwhelming odds. And but you have an objective, which is get the what's what the the widget, Get the widget mm-hmm. <laughs> from the altar or something, and then escape somehow. Um, it can be a great way to do those those like, you've got five rounds to try and get this thing, or you're gonna be overwhelmed, or you've got three rounds to get this thing. Or begin to get this thing before the gates break open and the hordes of undead come in. And when that happens, you're you might last a few rounds, but you will get overwhelmed eventually. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes those can be great situations to teach players as well that there are some situations where it's okay to run. In fact, there are some situations where running is a necessity. Yes, but but it's almost always good. I found to have there be secondary objectives along with it, because to be completely honest and Ben, I don't know how you feel about this as a player, but those types of situations where I just have to run from a combat just feel bad, especially if the combat was close um, or A lot of players get in the mindset of I'm fighting this thing. So I must, there must be a way to beat it. Yeah, exactly. But, but sometimes it's good. That's why it's really good to have those secondary objectives that people can do. Because even if they have to flee the situation, they still got something out of it. They still saved someone. They still got that piece of information. They still stopped that doomsday device.
1: Yeah, they're able to still be, you know, the main characters and the heroes, even if they're fleeing. So that means like uh, setting off traps along the way to to you know slow the progress of of you know this wave of zombies or uh, the big bad evil guy or whatever's kind of chasing them, closing and locking doors, barricading things. Um, you know, maybe even just something so simple as like shooting as you're running in the hopes of maybe slowing someone down, you know, give that option to, you know, have actions and stuff still be there so that, you know, even though you're running away, it's not just a straight up, I'm running and, you know, uh, wetting my armor. No, this is a, I'm heroically leaving so that we can regroup and get to that, uh, you know, a a better advantage of some sort. Yeah. And these types of situations, like like I
0: said, that first situation is kind of a catch all like show power can be done in a lot of different ways. Right. Um, I'm a big believer that especially if you're in a situation like this, not only should you telegraph it, sometimes you should just say it Mm -hmm. because it is the worst feeling in the world as a player. When you're just being your head against something and more things are appearing and more things are appearing and you're fighting these things and you're just getting beat down slow, more slow, you know, again and again. And it's just like there's there's no way out. These things just keep coming. And then all of a sudden an NPC pops in and does their blizzard or (laughs) arcane (laughs) explosion or whatever and saves the day. That is... Not super satisfying for a player.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Sometimes. Not only do you need to telegraph it, you need to say it. Just say this foe seems to be far beyond you. These hordes seem endless. You're not going to be able to hold out. For much longer you might have to find another way out or you might have to rethink your strategy Mm -hmm. it is okay as a dm to tell your players this because the last thing you want is frustration because you're running a scenario that is unwinnable or almost impossible to win because of one reason or another, but the players don't know that. And that can be extremely frustrating. And the session usually ends with frustration or anger. Yeah, but you don't, I've been, I've been in those as a player before. It's not, it's not satisfying. It's not. And so there are time, uh, uh, there are times and places where an NPC can come in and save the day. You don't want that to happen very often, because the story is not about NPCs. The story is about your players. Mm-hmm. There are certain situations that that's that is okay. It something a, a scenario where they're surrounded and you as a DM say, you know help is on the way, but you've got to hold out for a little bit longer. That's then turns, flips the whole thing on its head. And now the players are in the mindset of we got to survive. We got to survive because we know help is coming. We know mm-hmm. help is coming. We got to survive. And then the NPC comes in, does arcane explosion. And now it's instead of what were we doing? Like that was horrible. It's oh, we survived in and long enough for the person to come save our butts. Who's who's more powerful.
1: Yeah, or you want to have an NPC come in and actually save the day as well? Don't make them a powerful NPC. Make the or make it so that the the players I don't know get into some sort of dead end. They have no way out. Have the NPC open up a secret passage or something. Just come this way or you know something along those lines. I don't know. That, that's still not as satisfying, but you know it's something more than you know. Here, here's my DMPC who is level twenty who you know, destroys the undead just by looking at them. You know, it's not your tale, your tale to tell. So, yeah. Um, One other thing, too, is that you don't have to play through it fully. Like, think about it this way. You have a big, bad, evil guy. He is 10 levels above your players, something along those lines. He's shown his power. Um, You know, let's say that they are attacking, that they're trying to do everything. And, you know, Even if you're getting hit, they're barely touching them. They're not really doing much like that. That can be frustrating. To end that quick so that you don't just walk up and just beat them all down, which, I mean, that's something you can do and take them as prisoner, which, again, not as much fun. You can just have them look at them, see that they're really no challenge, and just leave. You Leave them alive. Let them know that you know, there is this powerful guy. He doesn't even think that you're a threat. He's just getting out of there. Exactly. And then that gives them so much more fire to again, fight up, level up, go back, you know, get that, that's that. Hey, we're important. (laughs) We're, we're the main characters here. We're taking you down or something along those lines, you know, look at it from different angles as opposed to just, he's invincible. There's nothing that can happen with to them. Um, and, and I will tell you, way back when, when I was running fourth edition, which we only had like maybe six sessions or something along those lines, I had a story, an idea of the big bad evil guy pops in and no matter what they rolled, they missed. And it was just so unsatisfying for the players. And I felt bad doing it. And then I would like have him attack and then pretty much knock someone out in one turn. And it just it was just icky and bad and not good. There are. I mean, I've, I've changed a whole lot since then and have, you know, seen that there's a bunch of different ways that these things can work that they can play out. So just a straight up, he's invincible. Nothing that you do to him is going to matter. Beat them up. Take him prisoner. Not fun. It may seem like, hey, this is how I'm going to get to my next plot point of where I want to go. But it took away so much agency that it just was not fun for the DM or the players.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's really, you really hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's about agency, trying to find the agency in a place where there really is none, but still giving the players the, at the minimum, the illusion that there is, because that will be more fun for them. Even if, even if the ending, and again, use this sparingly. This is this type of thing. Oh yeah, it shouldn't I, I'm, happen. All I'm not the time. a huge, I'm not a huge fan of this type of thing happening super often, but even if the end of X scenario is inevitable, it's all about the getting to that point. Mm-hmm. That is, is the big thing. And that's, that's where a lot of what we were talking about comes into play and will be the difference between something that is satisfying and something that is frustrating.
1: Yeah. If you recall, um, gosh, I don't know how many sessions ago it was, but it, it was quite a while ago. I had a, a problem and I would talk to you about this and, you know, we kind of worked through it where I wanted a certain my players to be captured and we talked about, you know, okay, well, should I set the, the DC for this like charm to be so super high that they can't ever get it? Should I do this? Should I do that? We went back and forth. This is when they were uh, taken prisoner by mind flayers. And how we kind of decided to go about that was it takes place, you know, off camera. So basically between sessions, they come back and then they're charmed in this like kind of weird fantastical world. And the the big thing that I wanted to, to happen with that is to make sure that it didn't last very long. Because one of the worst things is, is, you know, going up against something again, those bad feelings of there's no way that we can win this, but being trapped in something and not understanding what's going on and not being able to get out of it fast enough. So it's kind of similar with that within maybe, I don't know, five minutes I had someone who was able to break that charm, figure out, you know, Hey, this is wrong. And then go through and, you know, work on the rest of the party and get them out and everything. And, it, it worked really well and the players definitely remembered it. I think they actually enjoyed it because it was a creative way to kind of put them in a situation. And then from there they were able to kind of sneak their way through and, and get out of this underground, you know, dungeon that was being taken over by these mind flayers and stuff. And I don't, I still don't know the best way that I could have gone through it where they actually played through the charm and had the same effect happen.
0: And, and I don't know if you can in that, that sort of scenario, mm-hmm. because there, there'd be nothing more frustrating to me as a player than going, I got a 23 on my wisdom save fail. I rolled a nat 20 on my wisdom save. Okay. You saved. They use it again. The next turn you fail. Yeah. And, and just like stuff that would be frustrating, but it adds a whole element of if you do this thing and then you st- start the next session in a weird place and everyone's like what what's going on this is this is weird like how did this happen and then come to find out that off camera they were overwhelmed. There was so many of these things that just mm-hmm. pelted them psychically that they failed but they didn't have to live or play through that potentially incredibly frustrating piece of content they got to do the mystery and the cool stuff instead of that and then you get to this spot where it's just like oh no we're all
1: charmed and this is the thing instead it becomes something intriguing exactly i was able to progress the plot without making it unwinnable and Having unwinnable you know, situations and stuff like that does help move the plot along, but you have to be very careful with that. And like we've said multiple times now, you don't want to take away player agency. Give them something in there that they can kind of work with and, and grasp onto to as they're losing.
0: Yeah, I, I, I had a fairly good example of this a little while ago when one of my parties went to basically the thieves assassins guild. Because they were trying to talk to uh, one of the people that runs it, it who's kind of a uh, <laughs> a little bit of a rival to one of the the characters, um, and it kind of went bad, and all these thieves assassins basically came out of the shadows mm-hmm. and they were surrounded, and I didn't say this necessarily as the DM, but I had the head thief assassin dude basically telling them we don't want to kill you but you need to you need to stop and it took a few rounds for them to kind of get the idea that oh yeah we're <laughs> right outside not this is not gonna happen and so uh they ended up like knocking out one or two of them and then one or two of them were like okay We're, 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 we're good. Right. And they, Mm -hmm. they were able to walk away, but that's, that's an example. There's, there's almost no way they could have won that fight without probably at least a few of them dying.
1: Exactly. And you gave them that opportunity to, you know, still have that fight in them, but there was no way that they really could win because they were going to be completely overwhelmed. And yeah. that is just a really good way of putting them in that situation, as opposed to, again, just the one solitary figure and then just being wiped out by them. So, yeah. 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 Cool. yeah so good way.
0: Hopefully, hopefully that was that, that sparks some thoughts. Hopefully that was an interesting discussion um, for any of your games where that type of situation might be applicable. So, uh, let us know, uh, shoot us an email, dndiscussions at gmail.com. Have you had a situation where you've had an unwinnable fight? How did you handle it? Did it go well? Did it not go well? We'd love to love to hear more of those types of things from other DMS, um, and those scenarios. Exactly. We always love to hear from you. We're learning. We're learning too. Yeah. Always learning. All right. Uh, before we start to wrap up here. One thing I wanted to do, especially in in lieu of this last week was shout out, uh, a, a very good third party content creator. Um, and this week, and the link of course will be in the show notes, uh, is abyssal bruise. They have a Patreon. I believe it's two people that work on it, art and writing, and they release these really, really cool, well thought out magic items. Every week. And not only do they have a bunch of cool things that they do, but they also each have very unique, cool art that comes along with them. Uh, and so, if you're looking for high quality magic items that have some super cool art with them, Abyssal Brews is definitely a third party uh, publisher to check out.
1: Yeah, just looking on their Twitter, they have a really cool sword pinned to the uh, the profile, and it is pretty awesome. I am definitely going to be looking into this. The Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this is yeah, really cool. It's very, it's very unique. It's very unique. Sorry, very I'm, cool. I'm falling into a hole just looking at their Twitter yeah, page. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is what happens wow, when I look a, at things
1: live.
0: <laughs> that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, I've probably turned Ben onto more third-party stuff uh, than he he wants to pay
1: for. I'm yes. sure. Yes, you definitely have. <laughs> just, but just yeah, so MCDM really cool alone stuff. is it's like, oh, Ryan. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Isn't that Illrigor I just played pretty cool? Yeah. Like, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> you know, those those last three things I did those are from Arcadia.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, l- yeah. Lots will. of cool stuff.
0: Yeah, we'll have the link uh, to that in the show notes, DinaSessions.com, if you want to check that out. Uh, And then finally, of course, before we head out, uh, we usually end up talking a little bit about what we're doing in our games. Uh, Ben, have you gotten
1: to meet since the new year? Uh, No, no. so I don't know if I or if I told you last time I recorded or not, but um, as soon as I finished playing the last session, I ended up having a hundred and two temperature, and then I was sick for like a month. So uh, we, we didn't really get to play life kind of happened uh it's my busy season with work the new year came along um so yeah a a lot's been going on there's been birthdays there's been more sickness so good news is is that we're going to be able to play uh not this upcoming weekend but the one after and i am really looking forward to it because i've 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 had a lot of time so i put a lot of work into the session so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun very excited very excited to hear about it uh on the the next episode. Yeah. Uh what For about sure. you though? Cuz I I know that uh, you have had some time and uh what have you been up to? I have. Uh one of my groups has
0: met. Uh another the my other group is meeting uh next week. So the group that has met is the one that's in the Shadowfell and they spent the session uh getting into the city where oh. our rangers uh Mom and dad are and her very uh, manipulative, controlling, evil grandmother. So uh, they spent uh, they spent the session making plans, sizing up the defenses, uh, coming up with a super good plan for sneaking into the city. And then uh, my dice were really good.
1: Oh, no. (laughs) So
0: kind of screwed them over a little bit. Like I was I was really sad because their plan was amazing. Uh, It was it was super, super well thought. It didn't screw them over enough to. Alter too much, so they were able to still get in. Uh, It was just slightly more. uh, Climactic, than (laughs) they were probably expecting or wanting it to be as they snuck in. Yeah, so now they are uh, there is a. Uh, Rebellion type force of some sort in the city uh, that does not like the oppressive rule, so they are currently trying to make contact with with that uh, that person. Okay, that they have been told about, and they are currently making plans to figure out how are we going to break out. Dad is grandma defeatable. Uh, <laughs> this this hound master that's been chasing us. We didn't take care of take care of them so they're still here uh the manor is a fortress how are we gonna get into there uh so there's a lot of uh really really interesting things that could potentially happen uh i'm kind of keeping prep a little fast and loose (laughs) for this next session coming up next weekend to see what they end up doing but again if you are a dm ask your players Ask your players what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Have your players plan between sessions what they want to do.
1: Sometimes it only
0: helps. Sometimes it is really good to have for your players to plan things in between sessions because it can save a lot of session time where you would that you would normally spend just talking and planning. You already know it because your characters can already talk about it off screen, and then you can get to the good stuff when you're when you're actually in session so i did ask my players at the end of last session hey make sure you pre-plan make sure you talk about some of the stuff so i kind of have an idea of what you're what you're wanting to do because the city is it, it's fun this is kind of a, a little like mini sandbox almost there's a lot of different things they could potentially do in, in, in a multitude of orders essentially so i'm i'm very excited to see what they end up doing and if they can complete their goal, this is this is kind of the start of the really the culmination of this arc yeah. that we're in. That's that we've cool. been in for a little while uh, and it's a huge character moment for one of one of the party like this is this is a really big deal. Went from orphan not knowing her parents to finding out that she's got two parents and one of them is from the Shadowfell <laughs> and uh not all the family is happy that she still exists, so there's there's a lot of that i'm I'm very looking forward to the RP around that and to uh, a lot of the different things that could come up from that. it should be should be some really special next few sessions.
1: I'm looking forward to hear hearing about it. I'm looking forward to playing it.
0: Oh, I bet. <laughs> but with that. Uh, that wraps up our first episode of 2023. Oh, what a doozy. Uh, What a doozy. (laughs) I was not expecting, not expecting to start 2023 off on, on this note. Um, I'm really, I'm crossing all my fingers and toes, uh, that there will be happy ending. Although there will be a lot of trust, uh, to rebuild Mm -hmm. a lot of relationship to rebuild regardless of the outcome. Uh, of this whole thing but i am hoping heartily that uh they will relent and there can be a good relationship between them and the community again but just remember you do not need wizards of the coast to play DD. nope definitely not you don't that's that's one of the one of the best things about just tabletop rpgs in general like you don't need to if you have like a monster manual, a DM's dungeon master's guide, and and a player's yeah. handbook. You do not need to buy a single thing. Yep, you got everything with, you need, uh, other than dice. Yeah, you do have to get dice, but why wouldn't you get dice? Dice are amazing. Exactly, I love dice. I have probably
1: have way too many dice, but you can never have too many dice. I say no, you don't. So forget I said that. <clears throat> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, um, if you want to tell us about your dice or unwinnable fights or anything along those lines or share your thoughts and opinions about, uh, the, you know, orc or the OGL or anything else that's going on, go ahead and email us. That is dndiscussions at gmail.com. Uh, we love hearing from you. Um, if you want to tell us that we're wrong about everything and the new OGL is the way to go. Well, we might not agree with you, but we will still read that email regardless. Um, other than that, if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, you can find us there. We are at discussions. If you're looking for Ryan himself, he is at TBK Zord. If you're looking for me, I am at Ben Bumhofer. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh man, what is going on with these guys? They know nothing about D Well, hey, guess what you can find out that we actually do because we play in a game. Uh, that is a podcast plus five to hit. You can check us out there right now. We're going through Ryan with the frost maiden and, uh, the most recent episode that is out, uh, it's, a, it's apparently a good one because it ends on a surprise on my part. I had no idea something that was going on. Um, I want to listen to the first half of it because it's an entire mystery to me, but I'm not going to because <laughs> I, I, I just can't. It, it, I, I don't want to break that, uh, that disassociation that my character and in in my in me as a player has. So uh, in a few episodes, I'll go back and listen because I really want to know what's going on. But, oh, my gosh, it's a good episode. Definitely check it out. Uh, So that's plus five to hit. Uh, That being said, this show, though, d and Discussions, we are, of course, on whatever podcast player you are listening to right now. Uh, We have 80 other episodes. If you haven't heard them before, guess what? Most of them are timeless. Check them out. Uh, And we have a lot of fun talking about uh, Dungeons & Dragons and gaming in general. So uh, if you enjoy this episode, make sure to, you know, give us a... uh, a rating higher, the better comments, things like that. We'd love to hear about all that stuff. Uh, like and, and
0: subscribe and <clears throat> hit that bell button.
1: Yeah, I know. I didn't want to go there and fall <laughs> into that routine, but you know, whatever. Um, but uh, anyways, everybody, thank you very much uh, for coming along with us on this episode of Weird Legalese that we don't fully understand because we're not lawyers, but we have opinions on anyway. Uh, so until next episode and next time, be good to each other. Take care, and we'll see you soon.